What's going on? Welcome back to the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. I'm your host, John Gallardo. And I'm Jeffrey Tram. Welcome back to episode five. Man, Jeff, we're in week five of doing this podcast. How does it make you feel? Well, we're staying consistent to this point, um, and I've really enjoyed doing this, man. Yeah, I mean, we did have a little technical issues last Wednesday, so we're sorry about that, but we promise you that it's not going to happen again. Uh, rookie mistakes, but anyways got a lot to talk about because the NBA is really getting busy now that we're coming towards the all-star break. So we're going to start out with just recapping what happened last week in the NBA. So first things first, uh, our last episode was a trade deadline pre, uh, pre-treaded, de- a preview, a preview <laughs> of the, <laughs> of the trade deadline and a lot of shit went down. So we got to talk about the biggest trade that was made that day, which was D'Angelo Russell being moved to the Timberwolves in exchange for Andrew Wiggins and some picks. So what do you think of that move in general? Do you think that was sort of a win move for Minnesota or for Golden State, or do you think it was just sort of a even trade? So the Timberwolves finally got D'Angelo Russell. They finally got their guy. They got Towns' friend. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is a young, promising point guard. And he's going to get to play with his friend, Carl Anthony Towns, one of the top skilled centers in the league. But they still have a lot of work to do. That there's, the t- there, It's not just two players on the team. There's still need, they still need to fill out the whole entire team. Um, but it's a good start. You got a franchise point guard and a franchise center. Now you just got to start putting the pieces together. Um, for Golden State... I see this as a good trade for them as well because getting Andrew Wiggins, you know, I see him sort of filling like the Harrison Barnes role except better because I think that he has the skills to be a really, really good player. And especially since now he doesn't have the pressure to be that guy to score, I think you're going to see him with a more consistent point, um, just be more consistent with points and um, assist and just being a good role player for the Golden State Warriors because it's Steph Curry's team and Klay Thompson's team. Like he's not gonna be needed to like take the tough shots. He's just gonna be there and have, be a nice fit for them. And then also getting a few picks helped as well. Yeah, I mean, I think D'Angelo Russell is a better fit for Minnesota than Andrew Wiggins was because he knows how to run the pick and roll a little bit better than. Andrew Wiggins and that pick and roll is going to be deadly because Cat's probably the best big man that's like the best shooting big man we've ever seen probably I mean don't want to get too ahead of myself because still got to put respect on like Dirk and guys like that but Cat's got that potential and then you put a point guard like D'Angelo Russell beside him that's a really good pick and roll that's a good 1-5 combo to start out with and like you said it's just about filling in those spots they got to w- get better defensively now. Exactly, yeah. Because they got rid of Covington. So they got to fill out those wing positions with good defenders uh, and even their power forward spot because Cat's not a very good defender. And not at all. for Golden State, I like that move too because I feel like Andrew Wiggins will get the opportunity opportunity to develop off ball and he'll, he'll learn how to play with those shooters like Clay and Steph. And I think he'll thrive in Golden State. So I'm excited to see what happens for Andrew Wiggins. I don't think Wiggins is a bust. I, I've seen that word thrown around. It's, and Wiggins is still talented. He just, you know, he does he have some inconsistency issues? Yeah. But also, Minnesota is not a good team. Has, hasn't been a good team. They're not a good franchise in general. Yeah. So, and just... That draft class, Wiggins' draft class, wasn't the strongest from what I um, I remember. It was it definitely was, hyped. It was hyped because it was Wiggins, Jabari, Jabari Parker, Parker. Joel Embiid. Uh, yeah, Joel Embiid was the... But even him, he hasn't f- lived to his full potential. Uh, due, to, due to health issues. Due to health is, and like lack of uh, consistency on his end. But in general, like just Wiggins ha- being the first overall pick... Uh, remember, he was traded in part of the Kevin Love trade. Um, and then just being in Minnesota, he was asked to be that guy. And I don't think he was ever supposed to be that guy, like the superstar franchise player. I see him as a very skilled player who has some consist- inconsistency issues, has some defensive issues, 
but can be a solid complementary player in the NBA, and that's what he's going to be asked to do in a good system in Golden State. And I think the word bust was thrown around because of all the expectations Wiggins had. Like, he was probably the most hyped prospect coming into the draft since LeBron James because of his athleticism. Like, there were highlight reels of him on YouTube, like, doing all his dunks. His high school highlights? Wow, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, holy shit. Like, Andrew Wiggins was that, he was looked at as the next guy in the NBA. Like, they were comparing him to Kobe, to T-Mac, Vince Carter, Mm -hmm. all of these guys. So... That's I think that's the reason why a lot of people call him a bust, but he's still 25 years old. He's still got the athleticism and the God-given talents in order to make himself a star in the league. And he doesn't even have to be a star in Golden State, like, like you said. He just needs to be a solid contributor, and he needs to fit in. And I think he'll develop well in this system with Golden State. And we're just going to go over some other trade moves, Um so we got Drummond to the Cavs, uh, Robert Covington to the Houston Rockets, Iguodala and Jay Crowder both going from Memphis to Miami, Marcus Morris to the Clippers, uh, Clint Capella and Dwayne Dedman also to the Atlanta Hawks. So out of those moves, were there any that stood out to you or were there any that didn't make sense? Well, I would definitely say the most surprising trade was Drummond to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, that threw me off so much um, because both Detroit and Cleveland are bad teams. I would have thought that Drummond would be traded to a contender um, to be a valuable piece for that team. I I heard Celtics as an option for Drummond. Um, And going to Cleveland, I mean, they already had that rebounding center in Tristan Thompson so now Tristan Thompson has been relegated to the bench role but he's an expensive uh, he has an expensive uh, bench player Um, I do believe he's a UFA at the end of the season right though right Drummond Uh, well and Tristan Thompson well I think Tristan Thompson is a unrestricted free agent but I believe Drummond has a player option for the following season so he can choose to opt in if he wants Right, uh, but it's if you're a, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't know. Like, they have some young pieces in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, um, and Kevin Porter Jr. having a decent season this year. Um, you got a Kevin Love who I thought he would get traded this trade deadline. He wasn't. He's probably going to get traded in the off season. Um, and then you have these two big contracts in Drummond and Tristan Thompson who are both starting centers who can rebound. Um, just an odd mix. If you could somehow um, have Drummond in like a side and trade in the offseason and get some assets back, then I could see the value in that trade. But otherwise, like I really don't get that trade. And for Detroit, the package that they got back... <laughs> I believe it was John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second-round pick. Like they, I, had, they had Brandon Knight a couple years ago. <laughs> they drafted him, right. But I just, it didn't make sense to me. Like, I, I understand he was a pending UFA, but you couldn't have got more for one of the best rebounding centers in the league? I, is he, I feel like he's in the top two or three in uh, rebounding for sure. I think, yeah, for sure he's he was the rebounding leader for multiple seasons, and... I think the trade just shows how how his value is kind of diminished over the years because teams aren't looking for this rebounding center that can only rebound these days. They're looking for centers that can do multiple things. Like we always talk about how Marcus Hall is like one of the best centers because he can defend, he can shoot, he can pass. That's that's the most coveted type of center nowadays and Drummond can only do one thing well, which is rebound. His defense is kind of iffy. I'd say shaky at best. So He can score here and there. He can score here and there in the paint, but he's not definitely like even a third option on a comp- contending team, in my opinion. He, he's just a lob target and a pick-and-roll player. But uh, We can segue that kind of to like the Clint Capella trade to Atlanta because the thing was um, they, Atlanta was also interested in Drummond as well. Um, would you say Capella would be, is a more... Um, is a better 
center for today's NBA? Than, than Drummond? Yeah. I would say yes because Capello's defense is a little bit better. Like, he has better lateral movement, although, granted, he still gets cooked whenever he's going to defend against a good perimeter player. But I think Capella is definitely a better option than Drummond. And I like that Atlanta picked up Capella over him because if you think about it, Drummond is not even, like, that great of a player if you're just taking account his rebounding and his points. Like, he's got nothing else in his game. So... Capella, at least he can do like blocks and stuff like that, and a little bit better perimeter defender. But that just goes to show how bad Drummond's market is dried up. Like they traded John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second rounder. And the only reason why Detroit traded him is to get rid of his contract because everybody knows Drummond's gonna opt into that contract. And D- Detroit wants to make moves this offseason by picking up guys like Fred Van Fleet, or mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're trying. They're trying to pick up someone. So they got to get they got they had to get rid of Drummond in order to make a move. So I in that case I could see why Detroit did it, but for Cleveland, they weren't going to get a guy in the free agency anyway. Like no one wants to go to Cleveland. Like you know the quote by Joakim Noah in the playoffs, he's like what's so great about Cleveland? <laughs> like really the only thing great about Cleveland is LeBron. Like no offense to Clevelanders, but I've been, I've been to Ohio and it's not really that cool. To be honest, LeBron probably saved that whole entire franchise from potentially even relocating. Because I think that he literally changed the the economics of that whole state. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> There's literally nothing to do in Cleveland unless, like, LeBron's there and then watch a Cleveland game, right? Right. And, I mean, there are they have the Browns, too, but I'm not a big football fan, and I, I don't think they've done too well. Like, the last time I followed the Cleveland Browns, they had Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Manziel, oh my days. Yeah, that was a long time ago, and he clearly he didn't turn out too well because now he's in the CFL. But um, No, not anymore. Oh, well, he wasn't? Well, he, not anymore? No, they dropped him. Shit. <laughs> he, he was, like, trying to play for the Alouettes or something, right? He did play for them. No, he, he signed with uh, Hamilton, got traded to Montreal, and then Montreal dropped him. Shit. Well, if, you get, if that shows anything, Cleveland's not that great. But, um, <laughs> yeah, in other news... Uh, some controversial news. We got to some refing controversy again in the oh, NBA. Sorry, did you, we want to talk a little bit more about the other moves? Or? Uh, I think we're good. I mean, unless you want to recap anything else. that I just wanted to quickly bring up, I mean, uh, Houston get, having no center, essentially. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the small ball experiment has gone to the extreme. P.J. Tucker is their center. <laughs> Poor P.J. Tucker, man. 6'5". I don't know how much he weighs, but he's going to have trouble when he goes up against AD. Well, maybe not AD, but, like, bigger centers, like, stronger, like, heavier centers. I'm thinking, like, a Jokic, Jokic would destroy oh God. him. Jokic is going to get every single rebound. Jokic is going to back him down in the post and, like, yeah. just bully him. It's going to be sad. Um, and then their only natural center, I believe, is Tyson Chandler. I think Houston picked up Bruno. Bruno Caboclo. Is, does Brazilian, he qualify as a center? I think he does in the in the Rockets lineup. Oh, my. The Brazilian Kevin Durant. <laughs> Y'all don't know about him if, like, you don't, but he was a former Raptor. Drafted 20th overall. Yep, in the 2014 draft, I believe, and he was the next great hope of the Raptors, and he never really panned out, but... To be fair, like, it's, I don't think that, like, um, people are too mad about it because of the fact that I don't think we missed out on anybody. No, we we didn't really miss out on anyone in that draft. That wasn't a really good draft to begin with. I think they he knew. I think Masai knew that, but he just wanted to take a chance on like just a random like freak athlete. Kind of like a Giannis type. This that yeah, it's a hit or miss, you know. I mean, like at the time when they drafted him, I remember like he wasn't. He didn't even know how to play basketball per yeah, se. Yeah, he, he they just really put him on the Brazilian team because he was tall and lanky. And you can't, that. yeah, like you can't teach that. Like that's just part of him. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about um, Miami getting Iggy and Crowder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, them, I mean, like Memphis getting rid of Iggy, first of all, uh, it, for Justice Winslow, um, Dion Waiters, who was, who was bought out, and James Johnson. And then they moved James Johnson to the Wolves. To the Wolves, correct. Um, Mainly they got Justice Winslow for Which Iguodala. is a really good pickup if you are Memphis because he's only 24 years old. 
Um, he's been like a very interesting player in the sense that like he can play so many positions, but currently he is more of like a point guard. Point forward type of guy, yeah. Point forward, yeah. So he <laughs> but he he can go from one to four. Actually, he's played the five. I remember when the yeah, Raptors, Raptors were playing yeah, yeah, Miami. Yeah. He played yeah. the five. So he he's five. he plays all five positions. He's only 24 years old. Um, he had The only reason why um, Miami got rid of him was because this season he's been injured a lot. Um, but if you're Memphis, you got that type of young guy for a guy who didn't even want to play for your team. Exactly, yeah. So that's a if you're Memphis, you're what a steal. standing ovation for that. That's amazing. Like it was funny too cuz the last episode like if you didn't catch it, we were talking about how Memphis shouldn't trade uh Igadala because like he's being petty about not playing. Oh yeah, if I was like like I said earlier, if I was Memphis like before, if it wasn't for, if if a trade like that doesn't happen, I would keep his ass exactly, and just punish yeah. him for like, yeah, yeah, screw you. don't want to play? Fine, don't play. Don't play then, yeah. You're not going to play for a contender not, either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny because Iguodala wanted to get sent to like clip the Clippers or Lakers or something, but they sent him to Miami, who, solid team. Miami's a solid team, but I don't think they're going to contend for a title this year. Like, let's be real. Yeah, I mean they'll be. They'll make it far in the playoffs. They'll be a, like just annoying team in the playoffs because they got second to, or third round is their ceiling probably. Yeah, but I don't know. They won't. They just. They, I, but I think that that's fine for them. I think that as long as they're contending, Miami's happy. Because uh, I think they they're gonna try and make bigger moves in the next few years. So they're a team to watch out for because they've got some pieces. And Jay Crowder was a, a good sneaky pickup too. Mm-hmm. He's a good defender, and his shooting has kind of dropped off since his days in Boston. But yeah, his shooting's gone down. I like that Miami picked up a couple of good defensive wings because they're definitely gonna need them in the playoffs when they play against like the Milwaukee Bucks. They're gonna need to send multiple guys at Giannis or. If they play the Raptors, they're going to need those wings to defend guys like Pascal. So right. they'll they, have multiple options for those They scenarios. do have pieces. Like They also have guys like uh, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, they got Tyler Harrow. Um, they got uh, Dragic. Uh, they got – and then just – they're just a pretty solid team. So good pickups for Miami as well. And then one more t- trade I wanted to talk about was – uh, Markeith Morris, Mar- or sorry, Marcus, 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 Marcus. got the Morris brothers wrong. Um, going to the Clippers instead of the Lakers, and Lakers Nation being pissed off. Lakers Nation missed out. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously a good pickup for the Clippers. Um, continue adds to an already deep team. Uh, with the Lakers, yeah, y'all missed out because. Their team is looking a little iffy in the bench. The Lakers would have loved Marcus Morris. Because they would have loved him. He's such a good shooter right now. Yeah. Like, even the last couple of seasons, his three-point shooting has been, like, dead on. And he's low-key a really good creator off the bounce. Like, not that you're going to make him run your offense. No, not in, like the in Knicks. S- in, like, spurts, he can he can do that. Like, he's averaging over 19 points with the Knicks, um, but obviously it's going to go down, which is fine, as long as he plays the role that the Clippers need him to. Um, so that's a good fit with an already deep team. Um, and then w- with the Lakers, I mean, they lost out on Darren Collison in the buyout market. And now they're looking at Waiters and J.R. Smith? Well, they're desperate. They need Are a better bench. Me? I mean, you got if just off the top of my head, like they've got pieces like Avery Bradley, um, KCP. Don't forget the GOAT, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso. The GOAT. From what I've heard from Lakers fans, they really want them to buy out Rondo. Uh, they, they just, what else? Who do they have? They have uh, Troy Daniels. They have uh, Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook, forgot about him. Um, just a bunch of, like, mad players, you know? Like, there's, like, they'll, I. They'll add on to that list of mad players if they pick up Dion Waiters or J.R. Smith. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Because they're trash. Yeah, well, they're desperate for somebody. They needed to get someone. Um, I understand, though, because apparently, according to reports, uh, in terms of Marcus Morris, they would have had to give up Danny Green. That's that's not worth. Danny no. Green's an important part Danny of the Green's team. Danny Green's one of their solid uh, bench players. Though, if you're a Raptors fan, you know that sometimes he can go brick. Danny Green kind of 
Yeah, he and sometimes he can kind of. He's fall a hot off. and cold player. What though? What I do like about him is, at the very least, he will always give some good defensive intensity. Yeah, you can count on Danny Green's defense. So, which is why he was playable in the playoffs. Although, though, well, come on, man, we could have like won some more games earlier and uh, one series early if he could just hit some shots. Yeah, he he just disappeared. Yeah. in the postseason, and don't forget, he almost threw away our championship. <laughs> Oh, yeah. In game six, like yeah, that pass to oh Pascal. My God. Oh, boy. I was so pissed off. I was so nervous. So yeah, can't forget that. I mean, I don't want to throw shade at Danny Green because, like, I low key liked listening to his podcast and, and the watching fact that he it. left Toronto. Yeah, he he was a good guy. But good guy. He, I knew he was gonna leave when Kawhi left. He there's no way he's gonna come back if Kawhi. Which left. is fair. Which is fair. You know, he wants to win a. But I guess he underestimated the value of the Raptors. It was funny too because when Kawhi left. You see those memes where he's like, like those text memes, and it's like Danny Green and Kawhi, and he's like, Kawhi's like, oh, I'm gonna go to LA, I'm going home to LA, and then Danny Green's like, all right, bet, and then like an hour later, they're like, wait, you signed with the Clippers, and then it's like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, shit, I signed with the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> Miscommunication. Yeah, I, I don't think that's how that worked out anyway, but I mean, I'm happy for Danny Green. He's in LA now, and yeah, he's doing all right. So. We'll have to see what happens with the Lakers. I mean, if they pick up J.R. Smith, I'm just going to shake my head because I was watching that finals game when he ran to the half-court line and blew the game for LeBron. When LeBron game played the, NBA finals. the best game LeBron James has ever played. He, like, he literally put Cleveland on his back, and I was thinking, damn, Cleveland could win this series. And then he just blew it all Because the thing was, game one of the NBA Finals is like a huge momentum, sh- momentum yeah. shift. If it, you win that game, then you it's think... It's a game change. It's a series changing win, you know? Especially on the road. Yep. And now, and that because of that, that eventually led to the sweep. Do you know that Hennessy is the new official spirit of the NBA? <laughs> like, yeah, it was just announced this week. I saw a funny tweet just about how, like, as soon as that ad, that um, sponsorship... Yeah, like J.R. Smith? Just like, yeah, just basically um, use uh, promo code JR to get 10% <laughs> off Hennessy. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, now that the now that Hennessy is the official drink of the NBA, you can't trust JR, bro. Uh, <laughs> Especially in L.A. where, like, people are smoking weed and shit. Like, you can't trust JR in L.A. So... If I'm LeBron, I'm staying far away from J.R. Smith as possible. Like, I'm pretty sure they're still cool yeah. as buddies, but, like, as teammates, like, you see those, like, YouTube videos of, like, those people that are, like, act out NBA scenarios? Like, RDC World 1. Do you know that? No, no. What's no, that? but it's, like, they basically just do skits, like, in the playoffs. So, like, when when uh, J.R. Smith ran the ball, right, they made one. And a guy was LeBron. He's like, "What are you doing, man? What are oh, you doing?" Like yeah, you know yeah, those. Yeah, like yeah. sometimes they're on Instagram too. Yeah, I see them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, get your ass out of here and shit like that, right? <laughs> I just think of those when I think of Jr. Now, so I mean, Jr. Smith was a great player back in the day, but if the Lakers picking up now, he's not going to do anything for them. Yeah. So the buyer market is looking kind of dry for the Lakers, but. I mean, I want to talk about buyouts, but we do have to talk about one more thing in the NBA before we do that. Um, I just want to talk about refereeing for a bit sure. because there's been a controversial um, call in the last week where the Blazers and Jazz right. were in a close game and Damian Lillard went up for a layup. He got the ball on the glass and Rudy Gobert, the defensive player of the year, I think two times now or something like yeah. that, he swatted the ball off the glass. And normally, if you don't know basketball, that would be a goaltend because if you get the ball onto the backboard before the play, other defending player blocks it, then that should be a goaltend. You're interfering the ball from naturally going. Exactly. Yeah. And the refs missed that call. And then, long and behold, the Blazers they did not luck out they were very unlucky and they lost the game so Damon Lillard after the game he called out the refs and he was saying this is bullshit stuff like that and he didn't get fined which is a good move on the NBA's part but it opened up this conversation where should referees sort of be punished for missing calls that egregious because there were referees looking at the play and they just didn't call it and when, pl- when players usually criticize the refs, they get fined. So that opened up a conversation again where should the refs be fined for missing such egregious calls like that that are so obvious? 
So let's start off by seeing why Lillard was super angry. The Portland Trailblazers and the the sorry, Utah Jazz. Sorry, the Utah Jazz. Uh, they're fighting for playoff spots. So these games matter. So when a game is decided by a t- horrible call like that, of course he's going to be angry. Um, and I guess that because of how egregious the, the call was, that's why despite the type of comments that Lillard was making, which are technically findable sta- uh, comments, they decided to overlook that because of the fact that it was literally a call that changed the game. So what do you do about that? Well, just like how players get fined, I think that there should be a type of system where referees should get consequences for calls that directly affect games. Um, and I've been saying this from time. I mean, like, uh, even... Being a Raptors, Raptors for so fan, many years. We've had some horrible calls <sighs> that have literally lost us games. Um, just off the top of my head, I remember, I believe it was Carmelo Anthony. Um, he was clearly out of bounds when the ball... The, the, like, he tried to save a ball out of bounds. And the replayed, replays showed that his foot was literally outside of the lines and they missed the call and that literally led to the game-winning shot. What I don't understand is why they can't reverse the call in the moment. Like, when they go to review it, why can't they do that? Like, I I guess I don't understand the rules that well because there's these, like, logistic things that stop from that. But I definitely agree that referees should be disciplined to an extent because this is just, like, outrageous at this point, right? Well, there's a balance that they have to do. They have to... I mean, they, they have the technologies uh, to go back and look at any missed calls or calls they're not sure about. But at the same time, there's this pressure to um, not delay the game too much and slow down the game. Um, you know, people uh, complain about how long um, commercial breaks are, you know, like timeouts, commercial breaks, how long. How, especially for non-basketball fans, one of the biggest critiques of the sport is how the last, like, two minutes could be, like, ten minutes. Yeah, because of all the timeouts and... and stoppages of play and commercials. making sure everything's right. So, this is an NBA issue in that they got to find a balance of not wasting too much time, but also doing what they can to get the call right, the best of their abilities. Now, one thing I want to make it clear is that refs are human beings. So it makes sense if they're going to make a mistake here or there. That's fine. Like, I'm not going to expect a referee to catch every single call. But when it's... When it's the last two minutes of the game. It's even, like, a play like that where the game is on the line and there is clear, clear, like, like pure passion from the other team saying, check the cameras, check uh, go check the tapes. You know, I think if you're the responsibility of referee in order to make sure the outcome of the game is fair is for you to go and check. Just uh, just check. You know, if you made a mistake, like you can fix that. You ha- You can reverse the call and do what's right for the game. Instead, you allow an outcome of a game be ended like that and which you know it, it, it directly impacts the team's like playoff chances um, and what they do in the future it means everything one game could mean everything like I think back to last season when Dwayne Wade hit that super like crazy buzzer beater over the Warriors right that game ended up well that was one of their losses one of 24 losses but that was one game where the Raptors actually had a, a game better record than the Warriors. And I think of that game as sort of the deciding factor to the Raptors' home court advantage in the playoffs versus the Warriors. And, I mean, not that it's related to refing in any way, but that just goes to show how one game can make such a big difference. It's literally the difference between home court. It's the difference between, like, making the playoffs and missing the playoffs. And especially for the Blazers, who are fighting for their playoff lives right now, it's it's honestly just painful to watch, I guess, if you're a Blazers fan especially. And I think the NBA should 
discipline them with fines, but like they need to obviously proportion it with the salaries. So I don't know how they proportion it with like NBA players and sort of their fines, but they need to make it where like, you know, it's not going to take a huge chunk out of their salaries because they're still people at the end of the day and they can make mistakes, but they need to input a system where it's going to start happening less because it's one thing to have it in the regular season, but when it's the playoffs and literally people are playing for championships, when teams are playing for championships, this type of thing is unacceptable and it can't happen. So the NBA should find a solution for this soon because refereeing has been such a controversial topic over the last couple of years. Like we we're saying with Raptors, not uh, even just Raptors a couple fans. of years, just from time. It's Actually, all- yeah, from time since like even the days when the Lakers were like you know the Lakers, dynasty, Sacramento. Oh, that's like the most notorious, like notoriously, um, like criticized series. Mm-hmm. And then you got Tim Donahue coming out a couple of years later saying that the NBA is rigged and. You know, people put in bets and the refs change the out- output of the game. Like, it's not a good look for the NBA. So they need to s- start with an image change now. They need to start having refs more accountable. And that starts with, I think, finding them. But, um, yeah, I'm not the one that makes the decisions in the NBA. That's uh, Adam Silver and a bunch of other people. So we'll have to see what they do. But um, in better news, the Raptors are on a 15-game winning streak. A franchise record. They've also beaten the record of the Calgary Stampede, I think. Calgary Stampeders, yeah. Stampeders for the longest um, win streak in Canadian sports. So the Raptors are essentially like, you know, they have the longest win streak now in Canadian history, and they're rolling going into the all-star break. So what sort of are the big takeaways from the win streak for you so far? Like, I think we talked about this last week, but there were some more nail-biting wins in the last weeks or so well i just love this team this idea of the next man up is absolutely amazing and we're just tearing the league apart um to get that 15th win we faced the minnesota timberwolves it It was was a pretty like back and forth game till then it was russell's debut and we were playing without two of our centers marcus all and sergey baka were out and we locked down cat we had Rondé Hollis Jefferson at center. Yeah, and we were able to clamp freaking Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who's supposed to be one of the sk- top centers in the league, and we got 15 in a row. That's just amazing. And I saw some clips on first take about how like, oh, this is probably I, one I of the worst that. schedules in the win streak, and I'm just like, the they Bucks, just love to hate us. The Bucks when they went on their 18 win streak. They were beating a ton of trash teams too. And winning in the NBA is winning. Exactly. You're playing hard. You're playing against teams. NBA, NBA quality teams. So a 15 game win streak is impressive. No matter way, what way you put it, no matter what way you try to twist it, it's impressive. Especially with the circumstances that the Raptors have gone through with all the injuries. Exactly. Like, it's a miracle that they're even 40 and 14 with this all is, these injuries. This is a win streak, and they haven't even had their full team yet. Like, how good would they be if they were healthy the whole season? Right. Like, they would, they may, be, like, I don't want to exaggerate because that's just a what if, and we don't know, but they could maybe be as good as Milwaukee right now. Maybe better. I don't know. But that just makes me so sad that Kawhi left. Because if we literally had Kawhi and, well, I don't know. We would have gone back to back. No doubt we would have gone back to back. And even if the Raptors make the Eastern final this year, like, that would have already been so good because no one was expecting People had us missing the playoffs. Take that in. It's either they had us missing the playoffs or they had us fifth behind Orlando. Like, Orlando, bro. I saw one of the lists. They had Atlanta over us. And did you see that guy from Fox? What's his name? The guy who predicted, like... We don't oh, we don't want to talk about him there, but I know what you're talking the about. The guy who said freaking... Uh, the Raptors will, like, fall go, off the cliff. Go back shit. to irrelevancy. Go back to... Go back to the 12th, lottery. 12th, oh, my God. And I'm like, bro. That's just Fox News for you, bro. Fox News, man, we, we don't fuck with Fox News. Man, but, the cold... The, um, what's the website, uh, the Twitter account? Like, Cold Takes? 
they they captured that and retweeted that. Everyone was like reposting that after the like every game after uh, during the win streak. People are like, "Oh, you, look look at this idiot, this clown." And I'm just like, "Thank God." And he hasn't said anything yet. And I've been waiting for him to say and something. The Raptors have been very quiet throughout the whole season. Like the the American media didn't really cover them until now. Even then, they're even now they're not really covering them. I mean, they're just talking about them now because it's a 15 game. You win know, streak, they still talk about Philly and Miami over Toronto. They're like, um, oh, why can't Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons play well together? They should be the second best team. And they're not even talking about the 15 game win streak that the Raptors are going through. Exactly, and that's how the American media has always treated us. Like even in the finals, they they picked the board like most. Most analysts, most like media places are picking the Warriors, so like not even giving us a chance. Shout out Kendrick Perkins though; he's been Kendrick a... Perkins is a real one. Uh, yeah. Scotty Pippen's been putting some respect on our name, even Paul Pierce lately. Yeah. So that's just um, a couple of guys that have given us some recognition. But I gotta ask you, what about scarves? <laughs> what about scarves? I think this is the biggest highlight of the win streak in general because that just like shows like how carefree and how loose the Raptors are playing right now. They're playing such like free basketball, and I felt like it was all encapsulated in that win versus Indiana where they were down and they came back and won. And the infamous scarf game where um, OG and Serge both came to the game with scarves. And to provide a Serge little context... Serge got the game winner too. Serge got the game winner, yeah. So that was some big scarf energy. But I would just want to preface the scarf thing. If you don't know what's happened. So Serge has this show on Uninterrupted where he takes te- his teammates so far shopping. At, Fred uh, and OG Fred and so OG far. so far. He, he takes them shopping at Halt Renfrew in downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. And he sort of just talks about fashion and stuff because that's one of his hobbies. Yeah, here's the thing. Serge is a... If you f- don't follow his Instagram, this guy knows fashion. He's been to Paris Fashion Week a couple times. Yeah. he He's... He wants to go into fashion sort of like as a, something maybe after his career. Yeah. So he he has a show and he brings OG on. And OG sort of taunts him saying like... Well, here's the thing. OG, for a lot of fans, seems to be like very quiet and shy. He, he's a troll. He revealed himself in this interview. Like he is such a funny, awkward guy. Yeah, and he he's sort of trying to brand himself kind of like Kawhi, I'd think, but a little more like... I, I don't even think he's trying to do... I think he's just being himself. That's naturally who he is. Like, just... I feel like he's even more awkward than Kawhi. Hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's more awkward, but I'd say, like, he has, like, a different humor towards him. No, I'm not, I'm not saying awkward in a bad way. Like, I just love him the way he is. Like, I love... Like, he's just being him, you know? Yeah, so, Sir, so Serge is, like, talking to him about fashion and stuff, and... OG sort of eggs him on and he's like, but what about scarves? Like, I put you on scarves. Like, you saw my scarf and then you wanted to copy me after that. And then, like, Serge is just getting, like, so cheesy. He's like, fuck this. Like, so let's finish this show. It's done. And yeah, which which led to this, like, competitiveness of, like, who... Who, who, wears, who wore it first or who does it better? Yeah. So I want to ask you, who do you think did it better? Like, we can pull up the picture right now, although... Um, Everybody can sort of visualize yeah, I, the Surge one because it's such a big-ass scarf. Yeah, I got to go with Surge. I think Surge... I mean, I don't know how OG can say that when Surge was playing while OG was still probably a kid. You know what I mean? Like, Surge's been doing this from time. That's what I say. Like, Surge has been in the scarf game way longer. Just, he's always been a hella good fashion guy. Yeah, I would definitely... Like, Surge... Surge... Like, I mean, like, with OG, he looks cool and all. Yeah, but, but like, I don't understand why he wrapped it around his that's head. That's him. Like, Let him do him. I mean, that's, that's, his, that's his style, but come on, man. Look at Serge. Like, he looks like a French model, for real. You could you can only wear this type of scarf if you're, like, 6'10", six, six, bro. Like, if I wore that scarf, I'd be, like, fucking drowning in it because it looks like a big-ass, like, carpet. And the funny meme with this, and it was even posted on Drake's social media, is... uh. You were able to fit all the teams in the 15-game winning streak onto that scarf and crossed off. And now they're trying to request a longer scarf to yeah, search. Yeah, he needs a longer <laughs> scarf now because if we keep winning, like, we need a bigger scarf. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like that was the biggest um, storyline besides, like, you know, all the winning. 
And it's just a nice little, like, quirky storyline for it the just, NBA season. It just shows how, like, fun and relaxed the Raptors are. We're in our own world, you know. We don't care about anyone else. We're just we'll chilling. Just keep doing business. Uh, keep on winning and keep going about it and continue to maybe Man. go back to back. Who knows? I just love the culture of this team. So, very quickly, I just want to talk about a potential buyout target that the Raptors could potentially get. And... He's a former Raptor, and he had a very infamous run with us in 2016. I'm going to talk about uh, Bismack Biombo. He's currently stuck at the end of the bench in Charlotte, and there haven't been talks yet whether they're going to buy out his contract, but he's definitely one guy I think the Raptors would benefit from getting because Marcus has missed a lot of time this year, and we've primarily played Surge at the 5 when Mark was out, and then last night we had to play Rondé Hollis-Jefferson because he was the only body we could have to, like, match up with Towns because Boucher is going to get bullied. Like, let's be real. Like, Chris Boucher is a really good player in terms of um, his three-point shooting, his blocks, and sort of his um, athleticism, but he's not the biggest guy around. He's really scrawny. So when you got these big centers, you, you need that insurance in order to match up with them. And I think Bismack fits in perfectly with us, and he's a fan favorite. So I don't know if they're going to get him, but my fingers are crossed because he's one of my favorite rappers of all time. Yeah, uh, he had a very memorable playoff run in 2016. Um, then he got paid handsomely after that. Which, you know. He could, deserved it. Right. Um, but it'd be great for him to come back. It'd be cool. Um Definitely, again, the African connection. I believe there's a Congo connection, too, between Serge and Bismack. So that's that'd be really cool. Um, and just the fact that, yeah, like with Gasol and Ibaka potentially getting injured, you need that third guy. He'd be a good fit. You know, we're not going to ask for him to do much. His role is probably going to be smaller than what it was in 2016. But he'll just be a good bench player. And I mean... The I will always love players that love the city of Toronto. And he was definitely someone who loved Toronto. I mean, he came to visit during the playoff runs after. Because obviously the teams that he played before never made the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. But he's always had love for the team. And yeah, it'd be... I mean, the Raptors, like, there's not much for them to do because they're just on a 15-game winning streak. But if you just add something and you don't lose anybody, why not? Right, so... We've got a, lo- a lot of things coming up this weekend. You got Valentine's Day on Friday, but <laughs> you also got the NBA All-Star Weekend. You got a day for Valentine's? I'm not going to make that public information because uh, <laughs> I got my family listening to this podcast, but... Um, He's got two kids. <laughs> uh, uh, no, you, you just ousted me, bro. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's Valentine's Day coming up, and then you got All-Star Weekend. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about some All-Star picks. I mean, I don't know if you're going to be watching the game or watching Friday night, but there's Saturday and Sunday, so there's that to talk about as well. So on Friday, we've got the USA versus World um, game. That's the, the uh, I believe that's uh, the rookie and sophomore game traditionally. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pick USA. Because USA usually always wins it for some reason. Although I think World may have won it like two years ago. You know, I'm out, I'm going to go for um, Team World because there's lots of Canadians and I'm going to support them. Um, and it would be really cool, especially uh, they have Luka Doncic on the team. So th- I think that um, I just really like that team. I think Zion. Oh, but Zion, Zion and Trey? Zion and Trey are going to like... They're going to link up with a bunch of lobs. I think Zion has a chance to win the Rising Star game challenge, like MVP or whatever. He's going to be exciting, that's for sure. I expect some flashy dunks. Like, I'm, I'd pick for that game, for the, like, the MVP of that game, I would pick Trey Young or Zion because right. I think they're potent- the guys that want to show out. Like, Luka, he doesn't really care. He's just going to go out there and play. But um, just also just announced today, um, Colin Sexton is to replace Tyler Harrow um, on Team USA. Yes. Again, the disrespect on Terrence, Terrence Davis's name. Davis, man. Colin Sexton, he's a solid player. Nine, averaging 19 points per game with the Cavaliers, but they're That's, not a winning team. Those are empty stats. Empty stats, exactly. Terrence Davis is contributing on 
the second te- best team in the East. And we, we've talked about Terrence Davis like last week, so we don't have to get into it too heavy. But he deserves. He it. definitely deserves a spot. And so he got snubbed. Got snubbed. And gotta talk about the skills challenge. I'm just gonna pull up the players that are gonna be participating. You got Bam Adebayo from Miami. The you got Patrick Beverly. I don't know why he's there. In from the Clippers, Spencer Dinwiddie from Brooklyn. Shai Gilgis Alexander, the Canadian from Oklahoma City, playing for OKC. Replacing Derrick Rose, by the way. Okay, and then you got Chris Middleton from Milwaukee. DeMontis Sabonis from Indiana. I didn't know he was playing in the skills challenge. You got our boy Spicy P, Pascal Siakam, and then Jason Tatum to round off the participants. So right off the bat, do you like any of these guys to win the skills challenge? I got to support my guy, P Skills, man. Uh, I believe Tatum won last year, uh, but I think that Peace Skill got it this year. I feel like no one ever really remembers who wins these things, like almost, because this this kind of um, this event's not really that like exciting to watch. I don't know. I actually once in a while. I, I guess. think it's fun to watch. I do. It's kind of cool, especially if like I know like there's this, always this big competition with like how they want the bigs to win against the guards because mm. it's just funny to watch. It was fun when Jokic was there. Oh, yeah, Jokic. That was pretty cool. Towns was also a pretty good player for this competition. Um, though I remember when back in the, like, this competition's been go- going on for years. I remember back in the day when um, the competition featured LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Kobe, CP3. Like Yes, so yes. That was... Steve Nash, too. Steve Nash. And Jason Kidd. Wow. Like, that was... I always felt like this competition was so like point guard oriented back in the day like they had all the best point guards in the league like it was steve so nash jason kidd darren williams chris paul derrick rose yeah and rajon rondo i felt like that was so cool to watch because it was like okay who's like which point guard has the most skills but now you can see how the nba has changed where multi multi-position players they all have these skills so it's really it's really cool to see that all these big guys are playing now and i definitely want to support my boy spicy p but i think he's gonna mess up some passes to be honest with you <laughs> i think he might mess up some passes so i'm gonna make my pick for this uh sh- the canadian shay gilgis alexander i'm just gonna pick him because i don't know sh- shout out to canada i guess and then a, just a small un- like second pick i would put dinwiddie dinwiddie yeah, yeah. dinwiddie is a sleeper there too the guy who's not gonna win anything is patrick beverly ah. <laughs> i mean shout- he's a good player you know, you'll want him on your team, but I don't think he's got the skills, like for this this challenge. We'll see in the competition. So that's Friday night. Then we move on to Saturday night. You got the three point contest. Uh, you got the oh, that's contest. the uh, that's the skills competition is the same night. Oh, I screwed that up. Okay, yeah, it's Friday night is just the world game USA versus and world, the and the celebrity game before that. Or it's the same time. It's usually the same time, but it's on ESPN. Yeah, but who cares about the celebrity game anyway? But uh. <laughs> The three-point contest, we got uh, a couple new faces in the roster. We got D- Davis Bertrands from Washington. He's the guy with, like, a half a finger on one of his hands. Fun fact. Uh, Devontae Graham from Charlotte. Joe Harris, the reigning champ. Then you got Buddy Heald from Sacramento. Zach Levine, the hometown product, because All-Star Weekend is going to be in Chicago. And then Damian Lillard, Duncan Robinson, and... Trey Young round out the contestants. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna actually pick Duncan Robinson. Like I was leaning towards Trey Young because he's like that guy that shows out at All Star. But I feel like Duncan Robinson's low key like one of those sleeper picks, one of those dark horse picks. So I'm gonna go with him. But um, I would choose second, probably Joe Harris again, just because he he knocks him down when it's the three point contest. So. I like seeing Bertans there. Very, very, very underrated player. Uh, he played for San Antonio for years, and now he's in Washington. He's a good three-point shooter. Um, Lillard, there, you know, with this competition, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad three-point shooter if you do bad in this competition because there's been quite a few players who, like, they're good three-point, comp- three-point shooters in-game, but the way... 
the just the shooting mechanics of like grabbing the ball it's, from the it's side. Different. It's a different mechanic. So like, I know a guy like, for example, Kyle Lowry. He's been struggling for years he, in the competition. He's super embarrassing in the three point contest. But he's not a bad three point shooter. It's just the the mechanics of like how you move the ball and like even guys like Ray Allen have struggled before. So that's why I like I wanted to pick Lillard, but I don't know if like, but just based off that. I don't know if Lillard would do the best. I don't think he has done the greatest in these competitions. But to be fair, uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were playing all these years. Um, and those are really, really tough people to uh, follow. Yeah, so if it's any time for any of these guys to win a three-point championship, it's probably now when Steph and Clay aren't there. But granted, they don't win every year. So, so yeah, Duncan Robinson's a very, very good pick. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go for the hometown guy. Hometown guy. Zach Levine. Yeah, I'm gonna just cause you know, like um, I. Well, the funny thing with him was people were like he he joined the wrong competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see how he plays out in this competition. I feel like it would have been interesting if he did both. Like there was that year. I think was it Lillard or someone that did all the contests. Oh, I think I, I, I can't think remember off the top of my head. It was head. someone, but somebody. someone somebody did that. Yeah. They they did they did the skills challenge, they did the three point thing, and then they did the dunk contest too. I think it might have been Lillard, though I might be wrong because it was a couple years ago and I don't remember anymore. But yeah, those are our picks for that. So you're going with Levine? Yes. Alright. We're gonna revisit all these picks like the week after next week, because uh, we may go on hiatus next week due to our reading week and both of us not being in the same city. Mm-hmm. But um, I might have something coming out for you guys next week. It won't be on Wednesday, but um, you'll have to stay tuned for that. So moving on to the dunk contest. It's a pretty underwhelming roster, I'd say, because we're looking at um, passes prime Dwight Howard. Uh, Pat Connaughton, who has had some nice like putback dunks, but I'm not picking him for my pick either. Then you got the high-flying Derek Jones Jr., who had that nice dunk last season versus the Raptors. Granted, mm-hmm. the Miami Heat were getting blown out. And Aaron Gordon, who I think should have won in 2016. Debatable. But Aaron Gordon's a good dunker. And the last time he participated, which was, I believe the year after or two years after 2016 he was injured during that time so he wasn't able to put on a good performance that he was happy with Mm -hmm. so it's definitely an interesting field to say the least but i think i I would just have to go with Derek jones jr i don't know it's either him or aaron gordon because i don't see pat content or dwight howard really doing much and I think Derek jones jr is just gonna like do something crazy i think he's just gonna jump from the free throw line and like do a between the legs or something like that mm-hmm. like maybe what Aaron Gordon did but like from the free throw line that would be sick but yeah we're just talking about like video game dunks at this point I don't know who are you who are your picks well looking at Aaron Gordon I mean Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine was were part, was part of probably one of the best slam dunk competitions of all time in Toronto like I remember at that time where the, the slam dunk competition was actually going downhill up to that point. They revived it. They literally revived it. I remember, like, sitting in the sofa watching that slam dunk competition and literally jumping when some of those dunks, the some of the, like, when the, um, the, oh, mascot, the, the was mascot one? Yes, yes, it, yes. Hit, like, that one was so, and then the one where he put it, like, between his legs and he was, like, he was sitting, sitting down in, in the air. air. Oh, my gosh. Like, those dunks were so crazy. Like, that was one of the most And they were going, like, back and forth, too, like, 50-50, 50-50, yeah. And the rounds just kept going and going till it broke the tie. So, Iconic. One of the best slam dunk competitions of all time. Um, Now, in terms of this year, um, I don't know. I feel like Aaron Gordon is going to be cursed and continuously not win the (laughs) slam dunk competition. Yeah. Like, I feel like I don't know what else he has um, up his sleeve. Derek Jones Jr. is probably the safest pick because um, we've seen in-game how athletic that guy is. Pat Connaughton, I really, you know, he's probably better than a lot of people, what a lot of people think because I don't really know. I haven't even seen him dunk, if I'm being honest, so I can't really judge him. Have you seen the movie White Man Can't Jump with uh, <laughs> no, Woody Harrelson? No, I haven't. No, no. 
It's a classic basketball movie. I'm not <laughs> saying he can't jump. I'm just saying it's a classic movie. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I mean, if he wins, I'll like, I don't know. I'll do something. You know, I got to... I think I'm going to vote real underdog and j- vote for Dwight Howard, man. <laughs> Superman is in the building. Oh, my God. Like, I remember seeing him um, back in the day. Superman dunks? Yeah, Orlando. He was so funny with it, too. I remember he was he had, like, this phone booth, and he was coming out of it, and then he pulled out his... He knows how to sell his dunks. His Superman shirt underneath his jersey. I feel like that's a very underrated part of the dunk contest, where people, like, the, like the show before and after. Like, well, that's you gotta what it have is. to show emotion, right? It's entertaining. Like, you can't just dunk and then just not do anything, like, before or after. Mm-hmm. So, I guess in that sense, Dwight's an interesting pick. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna vote for him because, re- quite frankly, I, I I don't even know. And this this website on Bleacher Bleacher Report is saying that Aaron Gordon's the favorite. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. And last, we're gonna make our picks for the All Star Game on Sunday. Right. We got Team Giannis versus Team LeBron, and they're they're doing the tribute where they're wearing number two and number twenty four for Kobe and. Uh, and his daughter amazing yep so it's very it's very nice uh very nice touch by the nba and looking at the roster there's there's all this um talk about how Giannis like doesn't know how to draft and he also like you know if he was a gm he'd be just like michael jordan <laughs> so i mean that's kind of harsh because i feel like he picked up some good guys and i'm honestly rooting for team Giannis just because it's got Pascal, they got Kyle Lowry, and Nick Nurse is coaching the squad. It's going to be the first time, I hope, I hope he plays Giannis with Pascal and Lowry, and they sort of, like, hook up together with, like, one play or something. Just, just like, the the Jim Carrey in me, like, are you saying is there a chance? Like, that's just what I hope. So, I think I'm, I'm just going to go for Team Giannis also, because, like, Giannis always plays hard in the All-Star game, but... Yeah. By far, LeBron's roster looks way nicer, like on paper. Well, here's the thing. Well, first of all, um, the East Giannis just chose the Eastern All Stars and uh, starters, and uh, LeBron chose the Western All Star starters. Um, in, I mean, I think one of the funniest things that people were talking about in terms of the draft was James Harden. James Harden, I how low he drafted him. Uh, no be- one wants him because he doesn't pass. Right, that was a funny joke that uh, Giannis was making about how he wanted like a guy who could step back, uh, dribbling machine, and he chose Kemba Walker. <laughs> yeah, I found that kind of funny. Um, yeah, I I mean, and I just also love the whole international like feel, like the the African feel. Giannis, Joel, Pascal, from Nigeria, Cameroon, and. Uh, actually, both um, Joel and Pascal are from Cameroon, um, and also you know you mentioned Giannis. Joel was also speaking nice about Pascal uh, the other day, so it'd be kind of cool to see Pascal, Joel, and Giannis play together. Who's your All Star MVP then? Um, you know I feel like a guy like Trey. Young would really want to show out this um, this All Star weekend, especially since this is probably going to be one of his highlights of the year. Considering since, his team's not doing anything, but I could also see LeBron because of how competitive he is and how he he just wants to continue like build his legacy. So in the in the West, I would choose LeBron. In the East, I would choose Trey Young. And in terms of winning, I got to support like like John said, I'm supporting Team Giannis because of the two Raptors. And having Nick Nurse, um, yeah. I think um, if the if um, Team LeBron ends up winning, I actually think Anthony Davis might be the MVP because the All Star Weekend is going to be in his hometown. He's going to be in Chicago, and I'm sure he's got a lot of family and friends coming out to the game. So yeah. I think he's a good pick for the West, or yeah, for the West. And then for Team Giannis in the East, I'm gonna have to go with. I don't know. I feel like Pascal might show out. Maybe like he's he's had those starts in games where he just like popping it and no one's gonna be playing defense. So I feel like Pascal might go, get off to a good start and if he does and Team Giannis ends up winning, he might he might end up coming home with the All Star MVP. Well, I mean, Pascal hustles, so I can imagine him like just he, continually he'll be, running. He'll be cherry picking. This guy will run and like as if he'll it's like an NBA Finals. Like. So, <laughs> 
I'll, I'll hope for him that he wins it, but honestly, like, he doesn't have to. Like, he just needs to shot out and, like, play well and not get hurt. And I'm not, that's me knocking on wood in case you didn't hear that. But shout out to Pascal's starting uh, all star, first time all star, last year's Kia most valuable, uh, most improved player. Next year's most valuable player. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's all we got for this week is this week's NBA Most Valuable Podcast. Make sure you check us out on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. We're, we're on a bunch of different platforms. And we, remember, we upload usually on Wednesdays at noon. So keep an eye out for that. Any last thoughts, Jeff? Um, I'm excited to watch the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, and then hopefully the Raptors continue the win streak after too. Yeah, fingers crossed. With that, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening to the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. Take care, guys. Take care.